Hello, everyone, and welcome to SWAT Radio from a very windy Jacksonville, Florida. I am David Gray, along with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and we are happy to be with you today on SWAT Radio. During the program, if you want to give us a call or with a comment or a question, you can reach us at 844-777-7928. And Doug, it's good to see you. How was your weekend? It was great. And, uh, you know, what happened to March in like a lion, out like a lamb? Man, we're in May. And I was getting blown over walking in from the uh, parking lot. This is as windy as it's been outside of a tropical storm or hurricane around here in a long, long time. It's very windy, though. Yeah, the, the driving, you know, when your vehicle's getting blown around the road, it's it's windy. Yeah, well, uh, how, how was your weekend? Uh, we, we had a nice little... Uh, outdoor windy uh lunch at church right yeah i i was at church i couldn't stay for lunch but uh well, you missed, I missed the wind you. the wind blowing i'm sure that was fun yeah. yeah it's been I, this way for a couple of days yep right? yep that's right well uh, what's going on in the in the world today that we can uh look at or, or discuss well you know if you are just tuning in for swat for the first time swat stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth we got to remember that people sometimes i've talked to people dave that just randomly are turning on the radio and they hear it and uh, we just get used to people uh, some of the same listeners but it stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth and it really spawned out of the swat bible studies here in jacksonville that have been going on for about 10 years and uh the, the SWAT Bible studies are expository Bible studies built around really five pillars of SWAT, which is God's word, our authority, and starting point, uh, prayer, uh, staying close to our commander, uh, evangelism, engaging witnesses for impact, discipleship, making Christ's last command our first priority, and community, a band of brothers who are around the word together and um, committed to holding each other accountable as well as encouraging through the hard times. And, um, you know, when we look at the um, the world around us, boy, Dave, is there, if there's ever a time for a band of brothers to stick together, it's now, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, if you're, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. You've talked about it with Brad. If you're going to get your information from somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> and either you're going to get it from the only source of truth, as we've been talking so much about these last couple of passages in Acts, and really all the time, but especially in these last couple of passages, but you're either going to get it from the Bible, uh-huh. and you're going to have it reinforced by being regularly with a band of brothers, regularly with a community of believers, or you're going to hear it from the culture. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, you know, you sent me an article um, earlier today. Actually, I was a video of a young boy, uh, right? Who? Wh- what grade was he seventh in? Seventh grade. He was in the seventh grade who pretty much got disciplined for saying that they are wearing a shirt. He was right? wearing a T-shirt. That right. said there's only two genders. Correct. And uh, he, he was disciplined for that. And... Um, you know, when you look at our world going around, I mean, like to make a statement 
that there's only two genders and to be disciplined out of school. We're not talking about a kid who was fighting, a kid who was stealing, cheating, but because of an ideology that is based on truth. (laughs) I mean, like, really, uh, it shows where we've come from. You know, over in the state of Montana, you know, they passed, uh, the, the governor there signed legislation that disallows surgical and hormonal uh, treatment for transgender children or children that want to be something that they're not. Um, and it changes when they go to adulthood, obviously, but it just protects the children. But if you look at what the issue really is, um, it's not a complicated issue at all. I mean, it, it, you're talking, I mean, uh, XXXY, but now, I don't know if you saw last week, the former NBA star Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. has a child who mm-hmm. is, uh, is it a, a girl who wants to be a boy or a boy who wants to be a girl? I, honestly, I don't recall. But they were fighting to have the birth certificate change to the gender that they want to be. Yeah. That ought to be illegal because if you do any kind of medical testing on the people, they're going to show up as their biological born gender. Right. Not what they want to. You can't do that in any other realm. Yeah. And so, uh, but anyway, Governor uh, Greg Giovante, uh, Giaforte, Gianforti of Montana signed that legislation, uh, even though he has a non-binary son. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and yeah, that that had to be difficult. For yeah, it's got to be incredibly difficult for parents that are dealing with these kind of things, right? And there's a great example of it. The guy's the governor, and he's signing a law that prohibits it, and he's got and he's experiencing it in his own life. So. These are, by the way, these are not personal issues anymore. They have gone beyond the realm. This is not somebody who says, you can believe what you want to believe, and I can believe what I want to believe, and we can both coexist. Now, we are told we have to affirm Mm -hmm. their delusions, and that's where it becomes an issue. We have to speak truth. Well, of course, we do it lovingly. We do it, uh, and we, you know... I was talking with some guys last week and we were talking about this issue and they said, well, why do we pick that issue out? Or the question came up about identifying homosexuality or transgender sins as more significant. Well, the, one of the reasons is it, it is no, it's a sin is sin, right? But the United States government isn't codifying theft right, or adultery, right? or other sins that's right they're codifying these sins and putting enormous pressure on churches and religious organizations parachurch organizations and now this young man can't even wear a t-shirt expressing truth without being suspended and back to that for a minute he didn't wear the shirt to be an instigator or to to cause trouble he wore the shirt because he's being inundated all the time at school with messages promoting transgenderism mm-hmm. and LBGQT issues, right? He's being he's being bombarded with that. Mm-hmm. And so his point, if you when I I think I said this to you in my text, the 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 quote from him that I really liked was 
I don't complain, meaning this boy, when I see shirts and posters all around the school promoting pride and and um, trans issues. He says, I don't say anything about that. And those are allowed. Mm-hmm. So why can't I wear a shirt that says my viewpoint? And And he was told that certain groups within the school felt threatened and this and that. Fortunately, they, they when they called the kid's father, the father was, of course, in agreement with the kid. Mm. Probably helped him write the statement that he made to the school board. But uh, it, it's it's such a double standard. It, it's an unbelievable double standard. Well, um, on the briefing uh, this morning, Al Mohler said, you know, years ago when he started talking about the issue of divorce uh, or any other sexual um, misbehavior or adultery or uh, maybe and I'm talking about non-biblical divorce other things when it was clear there was somebody who identified as a Christian and um, and was close to them the people would say well we don't need to talk about these issues so much we don't need to use inflammatory language he said like adultery homosexuality or divorce whatever it is and instead, we need to find another way to talk about it that's not so uh, divisive, and which generally meant not talking about it at all, right? Right. right. And he says this is called uh, evangelical moral relativism. In other words, uh, you, you, it's just it's it's relative to you and what's important to you, and there is no absolute right or wrong, and you you just the greatest virtue is love and you can't have true love without truth right and that's where it goes astray and he says that the research shows that when you have someone who knows someone or is related to someone who let's say is lgbtq or you go down the list whatever that sin of choice is there's an increased likelihood that these people will try to find a way to not take a divisive stand on their own, uh, you know, relatives in that sinful position and then ends up compromising in their own walk mm-hmm. in other areas. Right. Because what happens is you dismiss the absolute standard of God's word. So if you can compromise in one area, you can compromise in other areas. And right. as believers, we stand under the authority of Scripture to the faith, once for all delivered to the saints, and we don't compromise. Now that doesn't mean we're gonna we're not gonna make mistakes, but when we make mistakes, we confess it right. and and we own it, right. and we ask God to help grow us through that. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot, right? There's a big difference between making a mistake, committing a sin, which we all do, and and owning it, to your point, confessing it, repenting of it. But what we're doing there is we are agreeing with God. Mm-hmm. We're agreeing with God that he's right and we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. But on these other issues, it's saying, no, God's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, there's a, and, and just saying it's okay to do this. We don't need to repent. We don't need to turn from this because it's not really wrong. We're right. We're going to determine what's right and wrong, and God is going to be pushed to the background or ignored altogether. And honestly, what does that remind you? It reminds me of in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Did God really say? 
the snake said to Adam and Eve, the serpent said, did God really say? And, and, and I've thought about that a lot, you know, is the difference between struggling with something, understanding that it's wrong, repenting of it, asking God to help you overcome it versus just throwing your hands up and saying, well, this is who I am and God's wrong and I'm right. Well, there's really, you know, he, he identified three areas and I agree with him that, there's really no room for debate in the male-female issue. It's mm. clearly, I mean, that's that's clear, right, in Scripture, or a clear definition of marriage. That's clear right. in Scripture right. between a man and a woman. And the clear boundaries for sexual expression is within the bounds of marriage. And and so for us as believers, to and, and this is, there's compromise going on everywhere. I bet if you did a survey, Dave, among people um, under the age of 30, the majority of people that would say they believe in God under that age would say there's probably not anything really wrong with living together mm-hmm. or, you know, as a couple prior to marriage. That right. That's a very generally accepted. And I remember being over in Russia years ago, back in the, the 90s, them talking about that. And I was stunned that they would call themselves people who go to church. And, but, yeah, you have to, they would say, well, we have to try each other out to make sure we're compatible. Yeah. And it was very pragmatic. Well, that same pragmatism has now infected our country in a lot of ways to where God's rules, God's uh, authority is no longer really heated. Right, right. Anyway. Well, it's, it's what we said earlier, right? Getting the information from the source of truth or accepting what the culture says so and we're going to take our first break here on swat radio call us at 844-777-7928 if you have a comment or a question and we will be right back after this first break on swat radio this program has the potential to reach millions of men each week if you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. You know Brad Sykes as co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida. They are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards. 904-580-7255. That's 904-480-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. That's guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group. Happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. Joshua 1.9 states, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Highway to Eternity Ministries is dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope. 
The ministry seeks to serve those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's word and share the encouraging testimonies of lives that have been transformed through God's power and grace. Highway to Eternity Ministry serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175 or visit www.highwaytoeternity.com. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a proud sponsor of SWAT Radio. Yes, so experts say that our brains are wired to often think the worst, to dwell more on the negative than on the positive, and that's particularly the case for children. This is Focus on the Family Minute, and Catherine Hill shares about the power of positivity. And so as parents, we've just got a great opportunity to to help them um, to see the better things, the better way. The Bible talks a lot about that, about focusing on the things that are true and lovely and um, you know all those all those good things. Um, and so as parents, we can help them think, think well, and that actually changes the neural pathways in their brains. The Bible talks about the renewal of our minds, and I think scientists call it the plasticity of the brain. It's the same kind of thing. Um, but the way we teach our children to think and to look at issues um, can actually change um, their brains, and, it, and we can wire them to be more hopeful. More parenting insights from Catherine at FamilyMinute.org. The Florida Georgia Truth Network in Folkestone at 91.3. sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touch down in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar welcome back to SWAT radio everyone David Gray and Doug McCary Brad Sykes will be back I think uh, midweek this week Wednesday uh, tomorrow we have Pastor Will McKinnon coming. Oh, in. my roommate from the <laughs> yeah. Philippines. Yeah. Every time, doesn't matter. You know, it can be fifty years from now. Well, we won't maybe still be here fifty years from now. But if I saw Ronnie uh, in a year, it'd been five, six years since the Philippines. He'd just look at me and say, "Hey, Rumi," because yeah, we were roommates in the Philippines. So, well, and he went over to India with me. He he had a great time over there, and I just love him. He's been on before. He's no stranger. And yep. Um, I'm I'm happy that he'll be able to join us tomorrow. So uh again, Brad will be out uh till Wednesday. And so uh but that's all right. I'm here all week this week. So hey, <laughs> except Friday. I think you guys got Friday. Yeah, right? we'll be in on Friday like we, we, we were last Friday. You you I, you and I were joking during the break about oh. T- Tim and I on Friday. Well but I we thought had a I was gonna time. have to call in because I thought I was <laughs> listening to sports radio for a minute. Uh but no, it was yeah. great. And I appreciate what you said. By the way, you had asked about the Israel trip dates. If you're out there and you have never been to Israel, November 24th through December 5th, uh, I will be leading an in-depth study tour of Israel. And it, it, you guys did a great job of sharing about it. I appreciate that, all the, all your kind words. But it, it is phenomenal because the, um, the teaching is related to the sites, but it's expository and it's bringing out the Jewish context 
and uh and and i have been transformed by that Mm -hmm. personally Lori and i and our 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 ministry and our walk uh just by understanding that part of the scripture and i appreciate what you said i listen by the way i always oh i know you're always listening uh but i do appreciate that you remembered the text uh and what was taught from the sower and the soils because Mm -hmm. You know, and people, if they didn't listen Friday, they won't know what we're referencing. I'm not going to tell you because you're going to go to Israel <laughs> to find out. But that's even that one little thought is transformative, isn't mm-hmm. it, David? Yes, yes. And you're right. I wanted to uh, I wanted to give a flavor for what your teaching is like at some of the sites, but I also, to your point, don't want to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned a couple of things, but the uh, the Caesarea Philippi site and teaching is one that. I think if I had to pick one that has stayed with me the most, it's that one. But also, but there's one, that's one A, and then there's several, you know, one B, one C. So it's it's tremendous. And it's great fellowship as well. In addition to the teaching, it's just great to get to know other people. You get close with them on those kind of trips. And, uh, and it's different from probably any other trip you go on. It is not a bus site to, I mean, to a, a tour site to tour site right. bus trip. Right. We do a lot of walking. Yeah. Do you hiking. do more now than you yep. did on my trip. We yeah. do. We do hiking and, uh, and there's 21 or 22 different teachings yep. over the time period there. And, uh, I promise you will come back with more of a desire, uh, to know the word you'll come back uh, encouraged hopefully and uh, refreshed in your walk and that's the goal the goal is to help you really um, grow as a disciple Mm -hmm. a true disciple not a what i call a western disciple but a true um, disciple of the rabbi jesus you know so and you'll never uh, read scripture the same way again to your point I, i think i mentioned this on friday all my life right i've read the bible or heard it preached and and you're you're in the gospels and you're hearing and jesus went to capernaum and jesus went back to nazareth and jesus went to bethsaida and jesus went to chorazin and jesus went up to jerusalem and paul was in caesarea and you know having never been there you don't yeah have i looked at maps of israel of course i love maps all guys do right but but having been there now and seeing those places and understanding how they relate to the scriptures, you never read it the same way again. It's it's very different reading scripture after being there. It really is. And uh, by the way, those dates are November twenty fourth, the day after Thanksgiving, until uh, November or December fifth. We have about seventeen people signed up so far, and I can take uh, uh, probably another eight couples. So if you're out there and you want to know more information, send an email to Doug at SWATradio.com, Doug at SWATradio.com. Well, this week we are in Acts 27. Yes, we will finish Acts by summer. (laughs) And uh, Acts 27, uh, 1 through 44, looking at the shipwreck, that's what it's most well known for. And I was talking to one guy earlier, and he said, you know, I, I just thought it was going to be pretty much narrative and not a lot there. But, boy, when I got into it, uh, in mm. fact, it was Brian who taught last yep. week. Yep. And so uh, Brian did a great job. Uh, mm. uh, we, we, um, we, we got a lot to cover. And really looking at uh, the anchors in the storm for God's servants. You know, God has us as his servants in a world that's in a storm. And one of the things I didn't realize was the, was the analogy 
of the storm that Paul is in to our life mm. and the world that we're in. We're basically on a ship that's destined for a shipwreck, right? And so there's a lot of, of carryover there, and we're going to look at that. But last week, just as a review, we saw how God's new creation in Paul produced an enduring obedience in this guy who was a murderer who God turned into an ambassador for him. And uh, even though Paul went through all these challenges and different struggles, he continued to obey God. He never quit. He didn't he didn't see these challenges as a reason to walk away from God. And, you know, that that's one thing, David, that I've seen in my life. When, when I go through significant challenges, it makes me want to cling to him tighter instead of push him away. Mm. Um, and we see that in Paul. Second, we saw a biblical obedience in that Paul was faithful to the law and the prophets in God's word as he preached about the suffering Messiah. Paul didn't deviate from what God's word said. He he embraced something that he had never been taught growing up under Gamaliel and in all of his great learning, he had never really been taught about the suffering Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah that would conquer Rome like a King David. Right. But God didn't come to conquer Rome in the form of Jesus, God sent his son to conquer sin in our hearts mm. and to pay the penalty for sin. And Paul understood that. And then he began to preach it. He was a true descendant of Abraham and even went on to write, not all that come from the loins of Abraham are true descendants, but those that what live by faith. And uh, finally, we saw an evangelistic obedience. Paul was passionate about turning every obstacle into an opportunity for the gospel. He, he, he shared with Felix, Festus, Agrippa II, Bernice. He wanted them to repent and follow Jesus, all of them. And, you know, all those people that he was sharing the gospel with, they couldn't identify anything that was provable uh, that he had broken the law. Right. Which is pretty astounding when you stop and think about it. Surely there's one minor infraction. There was nothing. Just like with Jesus. Yes. No low infraction of the law, nothing against Rome. He Just, did nothing. Right. And and so yet Paul appealed to Caesar and now he's headed to Rome. And this week we're going to look at his trip in, in Acts 27 and we're going to see how Paul's journey to Rome, like I said, is symbolic of our own journey through life and how God reveals in this text some anchors that will keep us steady as the storm tends to try to blow us off course. Yep. And so in this text today, I want uh, this week, actually, we're going to look at four anchors uh, uh, for the storm. One is God's presence in our life. Well, you go, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, no, it's not. Have you ever had times where you didn't feel like God was with you? Yes. We, we all go through those times, but Paul seemed to live with that that reminder that he had that uh, awareness that God was with him, mm -hmm. and and God actually did appear to him. Like, and we we haven't got that, so a lot of times we will write that off. But that's the first anchor. Second anchor is God's purpose for our life. That can be an anchor when you know what your purpose is and you're going through difficult times and you have this unwavering desire to live out that purpose, it will help you 
work through those difficult times. Third is God's provision for our life. Just looking at how many times God has provided for us, knowing his track record, which leads us to the fourth anchor, which is God's proven reliability of his promises. When he tells you something, he's he's going to keep that yeah, word. Yeah. And so those are the four anchors we're going to look at today. We're going to focus on verses 1, 2, through 23, God's presence in our life. So I hope you'll stay tuned. Yep. We are going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour for the news. And we're going to come back and we're going to get into those first 23 verses of chapter 27 of Acts and begin going through uh, the first anchor of God's presence in our life. We're glad you're with us. Give us a call at 844-777-7928 with a question or a comment. And we will be right back on the other side of the break on SWAT Radio. Hi, I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. A Muslim imam, Abdul, had always been curious about Jesus. But after a personal encounter, Abdul was baptized and began sharing the gospel with others. When other imams heard of his decision, they rejected him, and Abdul's nephew tried to kill him. Weeks after being released from the hospital, a radical Islamic group kidnapped Abdul and threatened him with a knife. When they couldn't intimidate him, they walked away, allowing him to escape. Pray for Abdul's health as he continues to struggle to walk due to the beatings he received. And pray for his continued ability to share the gospel with Muslims in his village. I will not let my brothers and sisters suffer in silence, nor will I let them suffer alone. To join me in prayer for persecuted Christians, go to vomradio.net. There's some delays because of a crash on the East Beltway, 295 southbound at the ramp to State Road 9B, blocking the left lane. Also, there's an accident on Butler Boulevard eastbound at the ramp to Hodges Boulevard, blocking the off-ramp left lane. Mostly clear tonight, low 59, Tuesday, sunny, high 84. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed for the good Lord. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. Glad you're with us. David Gray and Doug McCary here on Monday, May 1st. We are into May. And, uh... Time just keeps rolling, doesn't it? Give us a call at 844-777-7928 here on SWAT Radio if you have a question or a comment. And we are beginning to look at Acts chapter 27, and it's going to be focused on the first 23 verses today. Uh, And the first anchor that Doug was mentioning before the break, uh, God's presence in our life. Yeah, and since it's uh, 23 verses, Dave, I'm going to go ahead and have you read it. if uh, you want, and uh, you, yep. you should have fun with some of these <laughs> I did read it this morning, so I let's will see, just let's tell see you if it's I Adramitrium. Adramitium. Adramitium, I think yeah, there I can you do. Go. All right, here All right. we go. Acts 27, verses 1 to 23. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, 
they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, and embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. In putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus. Canidus. <laughs> there I you thought, go. That's I, close. I thought it was a silent sea. Off Canidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along, coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Okay, let me pause you there. I just want to make some observations real quick about what you've read already. One, uh, it says Paul and other prisoners in verse 1. So there were people who were uh, condemned being sent to Rome to die in the circus, they called Mm -hmm. it, or the the Mm -hmm. Colosseum. And there was a guy named Julius who was a centurion of the Augustan cohort. Now, the Augustan cohort was a special group of emperor's soldiers, in this case, designed to guard the food. Food, you know, in any military battle, um, the supply line's a big, important thing. Mm-hmm. And so these were uh, his soldiers. These were usually imperial agents or spies to do special things. And it says they were on a ship of Adramedium, which was the northern part of Asia. It was a coastal vessel, kind of like a port hopper. It wasn't sturdy. It wasn't built for the open seas. It was mainly to go from coastline uh, to coastline. And so we, you see the word we there, that's Luke. And then it goes on to mention Aristarchus, who was from Macedonia. Now, this was interesting, Dave, because prisoners didn't get to bring friends along Mm, on their trip right you know going to rome right and so the people have surmised over the years that they were either a paul's slaves or at least that's what they presented themselves as or festus gave paul special privileges because he knew that paul was innocent yeah and and when paul got over there if he's innocent if anything bad happens to him and he had made a request it would look bad on him. Yeah, you wonder if it also goes all the way back to when they were they bound Paul and were about to flog him and then found out he was a Roman citizen. Well, exactly. So, um, But Julius treated him kindly, so I tend to lean more toward that ex, that, that latter one that, mm-hmm. that he just knew he was innocent. Yep. So yep. verse 3 talks about Sidon, and it says there, Julius treated Paul kindly 
and it gave him some liberty to be cared for. That's a medical term in the Greek. And so Paul might have been sick there. And, you know, it's another example in Scripture of a good centurion. Mm. I don't know any bad thing said about a centurion really in Scripture. Uh, they were proven leaders throughout the New Testament. And uh, Rome did a pretty good job, didn't they, of of the military leaders. Yep, Not sure. so good with political leaders, but good with uh, the military. Verse 4, the winds were against us, it says. The normal route would have been closer to the coast, you know, but it was probably right now about mid-August uh, time of year. And over there, the sailing season was from mid-March to mid-August. From mid-August to mid-November was like called the treacherous mm -hmm. season. Yeah. From mid-November to mid-March, you didn't sail. It was right. called the winter. Right. Nobody sailed on the right. Mediterranean. It right. was deadly, right? Right. And so verse 5 says uh, that they they got on this ship. It was a, um, a ship from Alexandria um, in verse 6. And Alexandria was the key port for Egypt. So this was a grain ship. Now, the grain ships were big, clumsy. They didn't even have a rudder. They had two paddles up front. They had one big single mast. And so uh, they're on this big grain ship. And now they're, verse 7 says, slowly they were going to Canidus. And they, uh, they left the protection of the land to go out in the open sea. But they were trying to hide from the wind. You read it under the lee of Crete's. Uh, now, it says, verse 8, they had difficulty, and they ended up porting in fair havens. Now, the wind was against them. They had difficulty. Who's in charge of all that? Yeah, God. God. And, you know, in our lives, when we go through difficulty, we're going through a rough time, we tend to look at the people and the circumstances around us instead of recognizing that God is the one that allows whatever happens. And so here they are. In verse, uh, they're in this place called, verse 8, Fair Havens. It wasn't a good port. Nobody wanted to be stuck there. That's funny that it's named Fair Havens. I, I know. That always cracked me I, up. I know, but nobody wanted to be there. Yeah. It was kind of boring, a bunch of sailors and soldiers. Nobody. They wanted a place where they could uh, at least pass the time, right? But in verse 9, it says, much time had passed. Uh, this And they talk about the fast there. That was Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. Usually in late September, early uh, October, it was the Day of Atonement. And this particular year, it would have been early October, which now they've moved into the dangerous season, right? They're getting closer. And in verse 10, Paul says, hey, you don't want to do this. Now, when I asked the guys at SWAT, why did they say it? Every one of them said, well, the Holy Spirit moved him. Well, that's true, but there was a practical reason, too. Paul had been in three shipwrecks. Yeah, yeah, right. He did not want to be in another one, right? right? And so the voyage here is a picture of our world. We have a ship of prisoners, a ship of condemned men heading off. Uh, they're all guilty, headed to judgment. But on board is an ambassador of the king saying, turn back, turn back, mm. turn back. You don't have to keep going. Right. And, and so verse 11, unfortunately, the centurion listened to the pilot who was the navigator and the captain or the owner of the ship. And Paul's disregarded because why? Because the experts right. disagree with him. Right. And we talked a little bit about that at SWAT about how in our culture, you know, we talk about what a male and female is. We talk about God's design for marriage and sexuality and we're disregarded because the experts 
disagree with us a lot of times. And so verse 12, the majority of the people wanted to sail to Crete. They didn't listen to Paul. And so there they go, and Crete would make a better port for winter. And notice verse 13. It says, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor, and they sailed along to Crete close to the shore. So that gentle south wind is a luring siren call to them. And what happens is, as soon as they start going the way they think is best, they're not listening mm. to God's person. They're making their own judgment there. Verse 14, but soon a tempestuous wind called the nor'easter struck down from the land. That that wind, David, it's actually called a urakalon. And it's a, it's a combination of a Greek word, uh, euros, which is an east wind, and the Latin word aquilo, it's basically a hurricane-type mm-hmm. nor'easter. Yep. And that's how it is in life. You start off with this gentle southern wind that makes you think things, you can do what you, you ever done that? You ever taken a chance saying, oh, I can make it, I can make it? Well, and I, and I can appreciate the weather aspect of this being from where I'm from. Being from New England, we get nor'easters. I know, you get them up there all the time. I've been out in boats before where the weather seemed great and it turned, not to this extent, but but it makes me think of that, you know, the movie The Perfect Storm when they all looked at them and said, you're going back out to George's Bank in the middle of October? You know, kind of a similar analogy. Well, so. when, listen, uh, the, the thing is, when you get in one of those, now you're not driving life. Right. Life's driving you. Right. you. You go into survival mode. When we come back, I'm going to get you to read 15 through 23, and we're going to close it up, and we can take some calls after that. Yeah, we're going to be right back after this break on SWAT Radio. If you do want to give us a call, the number is 844-777-7928. You can also send a question or a comment to Doug via email at ask or doug at SWATradio.com. Doug at SWATradio.com. And we will be right back after this break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomnehl.com. Biblical Insights from Harvest with Pastor Greg Laurie. Okay, I admit it. I don't always finish what I start. Let me explain. I will start a project and I lose interest in it. Like my office is always a mess because I have books piled on top of books and I don't like to throw things away. And believe it or not, in my mind in that mess, I know where things are. But here's the good news. God always finishes what he begins. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just choose someone and say, I love you and I'm gonna change you and I have a plan for your life and I am bored with you, I'm moving on. And just, you're like, what? 
No, he always finishes what he starts. He completes that work. Impact your world with the gospel by knowing God and making him known. Connect with Pastor Greg Laurie and sign up to receive his free daily devotion emails. To get started, visit harvest.org today. The Florida Georgia Truth Network. Listen in Jacksonville at 91.7. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray and Doug McCary, glad you're with us. We are in Acts chapter 27, and we have read the first 14 verses as we start to get into uh, the description here by Luke in Acts of uh, Paul's uh, journey and an eventual shipwreck as he's being transported to Rome to appear before Caesar. And Doug, I know you read a couple more verses there, getting us up through 14. Yeah, you want to read? Yeah, well, let me summarize 15 through 22, because the 15 through 20 is basically talking about what the ship did when they were caught in the storm. Uh, it was in this nor'easter, almost like a hurricane or typhoon-type storm. The ship was driven to sea. It was dark. They had no bearing. They're, they're in the grips of darkness, you know, it's a lot like us when we go through a really, really, really bad time. Um, we don't even know where we are, mm. we, but God does. He knows what he's doing. But uh, what they did, it says they secured the dinghy, the ship's boat, which was the little dinghy that, you know, like lifeboats, they secured that. They, they frapped the ship or they girded it down the hull so it could take the storm. Because, again, this ship was not made for maneuvering. It was a big, clumsy ship. They lowered the sail. It says they were afraid of the Sirtis. By the way, the Sirtis was the graveyard of the seas. They began to toss cargo overboard. There was no stars, no light. It says they lost hope. All hope was gone. And, mm. and I don't know if that's you. Maybe you're at a place where hope's gone. But at that very moment is when God revealed his servant. And, uh, and I'll have you pick it up. David, uh, it says at the end of verse 20, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And I, that's just a hopeless place. Pick it up in verse 21 and read through 23. Okay. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Isn't that great? That is great. I, who, the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And, uh, you know, I, here's the thing. Paul had God's presence with him there. And, and Paul stands up. When all hope was gone, that's when Christians stand out, and that's when we should stand up. Mm -hmm. Our hope is not in the stock market. It's not in the government. It's not even in our, our own uh, financial ability or somebody else's. And, 
you know, when all the the darkness of the world overtakes a person, no longer Christians aren't just another opinion. You know, we, we are God's people. We, his, we are his ambassadors. So in a world of uncertainty, and boy, do we live in an uncertain world now, the people with certainty should stand up mm. and stand out. And he goes, I love what he said. This is so human. Men, you should have listened to me. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, you would have done that. I would have done that, right? I tried to tell you. Yeah. He goes, but take heart. You're going to live. The God to whom I belong and whom I worship appeared to me. He's saying, I'm a spokesman and a servant of the one true living God. He was unashamed. Now, he was the lowest totem pole on that ship. Mm -hmm. Paul was a prisoner. Right. And when he first tried to talk to people, nobody paid him attention. But what we're going to see is they're going to start listening to him now. But I just want to point out a few things because people go, well, I don't ever experience God's presence in my life or I struggle. There's a couple of verses that I want you to hear from James 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Mm. You can't just reach out to God to be a genie in the bottle. You can't just reach out and and try to get him to bless your plan. You should be reaching out to him for relationship, for his plan, his guidance, and and he will give that to you. Uh, but if you keep trying to interject your plan and get his blessing, a lot of times that leads to a lot of frustration right. and people go, well, I'm, I'm trying to do what he tells me to do. I read the Bible. I go to church. I give my money. I've even been on mission trips. And he says, but you're still trying to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You're not listening to what I want to do. What do we do? We repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, show me. Mm -hmm. God is not sitting up there as, as, as some cosmic, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't even know what the word would be for somebody who's trying to mess with you mm -hmm. and just try to make you guess his plan. Right. He's looking for a heart that says, I'm yours and I'll do what you want me to do. Um, another verse, uh, Jeremiah 1 5. You know, um, and, and, and Jeremiah, I'm sorry, not 1 5. 1 9? Uh, yeah, 1 8. It, or is it. Um, yeah, I, I had it. Well, one eight, Jeremiah 1 8 is, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, you to, to deliver you, yeah. declares the Lord. Yeah, it's Jeremiah 1 8. Yeah, he says, I am with you. Don't be afraid of them. If God calls you to do something, it doesn't mean he will deliver you from physical safety. He didn't deliver everyone, yeah. but he did deliver some, but he's with us. Yeah. Even those he didn't deliver. I remember their story. I think it was one of the early church fathers. I can't think of his name right now, but when he stood up and he was burned at the stake and somebody had asked him, you know, they, they were both going to be burned at the stake together. And they had heard some of the people say that, that God allowed them to not experience any pain. Well, being burned is one of the most painful things in the world. And the, the one brother said, well, will you let me know, raise your hands up if 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 he delivers you and you you're, mm -hmm. you know, this is true right and he raised his hands up mm. and died with his hands raised as mm. he was being burned mm. at the stake mm -hmm. and so god is with his people as we are as we are obeying him and walking with him and he wants us to understand that he is with us in deuteronomy he says to to moses and joshua don't fear 
don't be afraid. He goes, for it is the Lord your God who goes before you, and he goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Yep. And that's what Jesus said to us in Matthew 28, right? right. I am with you, what? Till the end of the age. Yeah. And, and, to, so- and to your point about when we reach out, we you know, when you said James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I think one of the things as we read scripture and as we pray and as we do seek that relationship with God, we learn that understanding God's presence with us is not primarily about our emotions. It's about trusting God's promises. It doesn't mean that we'll never have an emotional response. It doesn't mean sometimes at the most unexpected times, I'll be reading something that I've read a million times or I'll hear a hymn or whatever it is. And I get emotional and I can't explain it, but it happens sometimes. But most of the time, a lot of the time, it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that his presence isn't there. And I think too often, and I say this because I've done it too, we think that God's presence with us means we'll have some some really evident and some big emotional experience. Or, or some, yeah, you're right. And and even, and I think a lot of the modern worship music has done a lot to, Correct. to really push that. Yes, I was thinking of that. The, yep. the, the, you know, the... The people in the the New Testament that their their uh, their sense of God's presence wasn't based on a feeling from a song. No, and and you and I both grew up, and we know how important music has been in our culture. Absolutely. And you can go to a rock concert and get moved. You really can yeah. by certain songs, right? right? Yep. You remember "Carry On My Wayward Son"? <laughs> remember "Cats in the Cradle"? Sure. I mean, like. These songs are powerful. Mm-hmm. They're powerful mediums, but God's presence is not dependent upon what you feel. Right. It's like you said, it's his promises yeah. fulfilled and he will be there. Dave, I can honestly say that when I've gone through some pretty horrific trials in my life, he's been there. Yeah. He's been there. Yep. And so uh Isaiah forty one ten says, Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, and I will uphold you. Uh, verse 41, I mean, 43, uh, 2 and 3 says, when you pass through the waters, you know this one, I'll be with you, right? When when uh, you go through the rivers, they won't overwhelm me. When you walk through the fire, he goes, you will not be burned, and the flame won't consume you. Was there some guys that were in the fire, didn't even smell like smoke? <laughs> didn't even smell like smoke. Yeah. And he says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We serve the one true living God if you serve Yahweh. Mm. And he will be with you. And he wants you to know that his presence is with you. And so that's an anchor for us to hold on to. So I don't know where you are uh, spiritually. I don't know what you're struggling with. But um, my thing is, if you're not experiencing his presence in your life right now, what does it look like to draw near? You, you get in the word, you get on your knees, you, you spend some time with God, and then you act on what he reveals mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's, it's not a lucky dip method. I talk to a lot of people that just <laughs> open the Bible, they put their finger, okay, I'm going to read this. No, you start reading through his Bible, through the books, you, you spend time with him, 
and and he will walk with you as mm. your father. He he promises never to leave us or forsake us. Right, right. And so, um, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I just in the last remaining time we have, I remember a few years back um, hearing, uh, and it was something that our church in Ponte Vedra had. It was a, a conference of uh, R.C. Sproul spoke and some others, and I forget the name of the guy that talked about communion, but but he talked about just like the physical elements of communion, the juice or the wine going into you and the bread going into you physically, mm-hmm. it's a reminder that God is pouring his promises into us. And that always has helped me to understand communion, and maybe it's a good reminder for what we're talking about here. Uh, well, he says in Hebrews six nineteen, God does. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone. He's with us. Absolutely. And we can't forget that. Thanks for being with us today on SWAT Radio. Glad you have been with us. Have a great rest of your Monday. Doug will be back tomorrow with Ronnie, Ronnie McKinnon, and uh, Brad will be back on Wednesday. I'll see you on Friday with Brad.